1: And welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, the first Terrace Podcast uh, or the first proper Terrace Podcast of 2023. My name is Craig Anderson, and I'm joined by Amy Canavan.
2: Hi, Craig. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, and Tom. What? Happy Hello New Year and to you. Happy New Year and to you both. It is only the third of January, so I think it's acceptable to say Happy when New Year. When does it
2: end? When does it end? <sighs> I it's get nervous because we used I... to do it at school, so that was it. And then, like, you, well, uni—we never went back to uni until like February, so that didn't really count. But I like it's a socially awkward thing. I think I don't know when—when when do I stop saying it? it
1: it's weird. I had uh, I had quite a low key New Year, so I was at the football yesterday, and a couple of people um, said, "You know, Happy New Year." and i almost forgot it was New Year, um, so <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting.
2: Day two is
1: fine. Yeah, day three also fine. I would say you've got about a week. Um,
0: yeah, I think you've got 10 days, unless there are people that you've not seen in a really long time who you've stayed in touch with. I think you're you're allowed like statute of limitations. March. Extended. You're allowed into <laughs> March. Yeah, after Chinese New Year, then I think you're, we're, in a, we're in all sorts of New Year issues. Then, uh, But yeah, I think generally
1: this week, next week, absolutely fine. So, Tom, Amy, Tom, I'll ask you first, how was your your festive break? How did you enjoy it? I mean, football aside for you, Tom.
0: Football aside, football, yeah, we'll come on to that.
1: Um, No, good.
0: I haven't travelled too far. Um, I also, I mean, I'm I'm willing to argue with anyone that I have the worst birthday in the world on the 30th of December. Because everyone's, yeah, everyone's kind of partied out and wants to hold off until the, the 31st um, but it was good it was good um, and this year was good and as as you get older and don't want to hit it quite so hard you can have something quite civilized on your birthday so yeah Christmas was good with family and uh, got got a couple of times out with with friends good birthday Santa was good to me and uh, New Year's been good just ready to go back to work
1: now. <laughs> what about you, Amy?
2: I had an absolutely terrific time. I didn't think that I would because I thought like I was working quite a lot, and this is like my first proper Christmas, like not of uni and that. So I was a bit concerned because working so much. But oh, I've had an absolute blast with a great New Year in particular. Um, absolutely still hungover. I Should not have went to work yesterday, um, but it was it was brilliant. I done bongos bingo for Christmas eh, for New Year's Eve. Sorry. Um, I've done it a few times, and if you've not, I highly recommend it. It's just like, it's just drunk bingo, and it's tremendous. I advocate it all the time, um, and I've already booked up St. Patrick's weekend, so cannot wait. Oh Yeah, now, so
1: you, you, your youth is, is showing
2: there, Amy, because absolutely uh,
1: my, <laughs> my, my, new, my new year was the two of us sitting on the couch with a two year old sleeping upstairs, so yeah, uh, you're kind of restricted at that point. Me, uh, funnily it sounds enough, you, peaceful though, uh, it was nice, but funnily enough, you don't have lots of people volunteering to, to babysit on uh, on her. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, it was, it was fine. But I, I was saying to Tom just before we came on that, um. I've had four trips to Ayrshire in total um, over the Christmas and New Year period, so you can imagine I'm uh, I'm I'm quite glad we've got a few. I think Kelly's Kelly's mostly playing in Glasgow for the next little while, and that suits me fine because um, it's uh, yeah two for the football and two for family, and um, I, I enjoyed three of the four. Um, and we'll talk about the fourth one. Uh, we'll talk about the fourth one soon, and that does bring us to the football. Um, obviously, the the week the first. The second of January, the New Year matches. Um, obviously the, the big derby match that everyone wants to talk about. The the kind of more dominant team in the city, trying to pull away further from from the little team, and they managed it. It was a uh, heart of the in three Hibernian <laughs> now. Um, so I didn't really expect any other result other than the fact that it was an Edinburgh derby, and and you never quite know. But Hibs, Hibs just seem like they're in a, a bit of a mess at the
2: moment. They are one of the worst clubs uh, on on a run right now. It is remarkable. Um, they do not play good football at all. Um, I'm totally with you, Craig. I didn't see anything other than a, a resounding hearts victory. Um, they just cannot... Play well, you know. It's their forward line in particular. I think it speaks volumes when Eli Ewan's probably their most creative attacking outlet and looks the most likely to score because I think that's a real worry. Um, I think he's one of the worst players I've seen in front of goal. Um, and and he probably looked like their, their their best sort of chance of scoring against Hearts, but they're just even with their mountain of injuries, Hearts, and but just seems to just when it seems to almost lessen the load, then it just gets. Chucked on again. Um, they're still streets and streets ahead, um, and I think it'll take a long time until Hibs can sort of get anywhere near back to to being within them. Because you know Hearts didn't even need to play exceptional against Hibs, you know, and I don't think they were. But the the scoreline speaks volumes, um, and, and, and yeah, Hibs are Hibs are in deep trouble.
0: I think the, the 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 most the most damning thing about it. Uh, for me, is that that Lee Johnson after the game has you know suggested you know they have still got like lots of work to do in the January window. That five of the players that started are his signings. They signed sixteen players in the summer, like right? and yeah, there's there's injuries and but five of the players that started were were his signings. Aidan McGady came off, uh, McGady came off the bench. Uh, it was one of his signings, at least nominally one of his signings. And they look they look a lot worse than they did they look a lot worse than they did a year ago and they looked in a mess a year ago um, and it doesn't look like there's going to be an easy fix like Paul Hamlin looks like he's running out of puff they can't keep relying on on Stevenson Ryan is off whether that's next month or, or 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 at the end of the season and it looks like what they've got left just is, is like being held together with bits of string mm-hmm. Um the, the, the opening goal was comical. Like just, uh, uh, I mean, I and I actually, have, you know, in the, in the predictor I had that it would be a draw because the one thing, uh, as Hearts have been the more dominant club largely over the, the last decade or so, um, the one thing Hibs have always been able to do is, or the one thing the Edinburgh Derby has always managed to serve up is absolute tedium. Um, so normally they're like, kind of like, in an Edinburgh derby, if it's televised, especially, it's it's a no,
2: horrendous,
0: horrendous. You know, for to all intents and purposes, there should be great stories, there should be pitched battles, and all, and there never is, and it's usually awful. So I thought, you know, the one thing that they've always had going for them is even when it's been a bad run, is being able to kill the game. But if you start like this, and and what on earth um, William Fish is trying to do? Twice, it's, um, it's just baffling. It uh, like it's a it's a, a terrible attempt at clearance, and then a terrible attempt at shepherding the ball out for a goal kick. When you know it's a good ten yards for the ball, and there are two players closing him down, and and it didn't get much better after that.
1: I just think was this, there's that. Something in my head that's always like: two, never make two errors. If you make a mistake and you get away with it, <laughs> just fuck the ball up the park. Don't <laughs> give yourself the opportunity because they do it like errors breed errors. I think that's pretty common in football. And when you've got away with kind of yeah, the kind of slackness to begin with. Uh, Anywhere, stick it for a throw in, whatever you have to do, because you're just creating an opportunity. And especially when it's Cami Devlin who's chasing you down the most terrier, a man a man so terrier like he was able to um essentially steal a football shirt off Lionel Messi. That is uh that is uh, not the player that you want um to be kind of taking chances with in that situation. But it's funny because there's always that sense of foreboding on sports scene when you watch the highlights of a game where you know that a goal's coming because it almost like this the clip starts a little bit further back than it does for a shot. They always add, they always give you an extra five seconds of build up. So you, see, so you've kind of got that sense because the ball's in a nowhere position and you're like, hold on, I know this game's three now. Oh. How on earth are how in earth are <laughs> scoring from here? And it's Caden, Caden passes it back to Fish. I don't really want to put too much blame on Caden because it's it's not a, not a, exactly an inspiring pass, but Fish has got plenty of options and he just kind of keeps making it worse and worse for himself. And then and then David Marshall doesn't cover himself in glory either. Um with the ball across and then and then that that sets the scene for the game, I would say.
2: It's just a downward spiral from there, isn't it? You know, um and I think it was probably a downward spiral when you saw Will Fish and Harry McCurdy sort of named in the side. It was sort of like, oh, what's what is going on here? Um why now? Sort of thing for for them both really. Um and I think even pre-match, the fact that Lee Johnson came out and said that, he certainly said it to the, the BBC, um, that, that was his line that Harry McCurdy is either going to score a goal or get is either going to score the winner or get sent off like what sort of message are you sending pre-match here sorry um, so like I, I it's just it's a little bit of a comedy right now isn't it and if like yes the 3-0 victory is absolutely tremendous if you're a harsh fan but I think just I've been there with Rangers it's just tremendous to laugh at your opposi- your dreadful op- opposition, you know like cuz it is it's just that i think there's a there's a real laugh and stock element that just seems to keep trudging on the more and more that Hibs play even they don't even need to play because lee johnson's always in the press I, the, the man is always 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 um, got a headline coming out so i it's it's it's, it's non stop step into the world of power loyalty
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots dot com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And Hearts are very quietly building up a very long unbeaten run against Hibs. I think that's eight matches now, and they obviously play each other in, in a few weeks in the in the cup as well. Suddenly, you know, I think it's the famous twenty-one or however many in a row that they had in the in the nineties. You are like you are creeping towards that that territory, like before you know it, and yeah. Uh, the, the third goal, I mean, we'll talk about the second one as well, but the, the third goal kind of sums it up as well because it's like you're, you're talking about Hanlon and Stevenson creaking with age, and, and, and none more so than in that kind of moment where David Marshall's like almost staying on his line because he's, I think, David Marshall just thinks, so well, there's no danger here. Um, there's two players. Two, there's two defenders in front of him. It's fine. He's running right down the middle of with the with a
2: combined age of 190.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you're just thinking, right, and then all of a sudden Humphreys emerges with the ball, and Marshall is like still like two yards from his line. So it's like the opposite of narrowing the angle. It's like widening the angle as much as possible. It's like just just pick a part of the goal to stick it into. It's like um,
0: the, there's like a Bermuda Triangle of like <laughs> a, a lack of pace. Like they're they're like uh, di- operating at a completely different speed. While Humphries is on like two and a half times pace. It's wild.
1: And and that second goal is. um <laughs> it's the type of thing we've got. We've got two. Not not the the, the the correct decisions were made in both cases, but it's two like absolute fiascos of our, where it's like like decisions are like so unclear as to what's happening. Because I know we had um, We had people who were at the game on on our on our WhatsApp, kind of unsure about why a penalty had been why a penalty had been given and not the goal um, and. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a handball from Bashiri very clearly. Um, I, I don't actually know why he wasn't sent off. Um, I can only assume that the deflection from Hanlon might have been taking the ball wide because otherwise it, it looks like a, a straight red as well. But it's that, like the fact that Sabic scores and it's two, two examples of players scoring goals and then them not being given but still getting penalties. And it's like, uh, it's just weird um, all round. But even at that, that was like a bit of, kind of summed up Pibbs defending where the ball's just pinballing about their box again
2: it's a running theme as well though like the whole situation and it's a running theme throughout the games yesterday that that was what did they end up saying it's over six minutes isn't it the decision and yes the right decision um, eventually was like came to but you have there has to be a better way of communicating that to the fans to the media as well I think because you know you do have you you might hate that you get coming in um, like in the I've been in the press box with VR and you're exactly like a fan there and they're shouting up to you because they think that you're gonna have some sort of insight and you don't like it's it's just this horrible and it is it's a guessing game and it all happens also oh quickly. Um but for six and a half minutes like I don't know somebody go and find the microphone and just shout over the town like look this is what's happening. Um because as you say Craig like within the within the group chat like there's so many things there and, and it's a it's a special circumstance because you're like right. There has been a goal, so why is that not just happening? You know, it's not. Um, you're like, oh, we get almost getting punished for that. So it, it's a confusing one. And I, I, I watched the the verdict um, and Stuart Douglas sort of say that that is probably the perfect scenario for any budding referee to watch because it does have absolutely everything in it. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, or if it is, then it has to be communicated better because, like, no decision should be taken six and a half minutes to get made. Surely.
0: I think there, there's there's another there's another layer to it as well where like we, there's got to be an education job as to why things are given so that fans can understand what what's and I mean we have we've had VAR introduced and we've had a raft of new little tweaks to the rules and fairly significant tweaks to the rules so you know you you could be you could have understood the the handball rules for the best part of 20 years and they've changed whether or not for the better or not but it's not there's the we're not we're, we don't have a, enough live versions of what's happening to understand what it is it's ha- and this wasn't even the most confusing VAR decision of the weekend Absolutely, uh, there was not. all all things going on there I mean there's there's one that we will come onto that I'm still not entirely sure why there was a whether the um, there was a a, a, a Another bar intervention, but yeah, I don't want to focus too much on the bar side of things, it's more on the the rules. And as a fan, you can't have six minutes of not knowing, why it's not being given like six if you get six minutes of injury time, that's a huge amount of injury time in a normal amount of game to sit around uh waiting, just figuring out what the, what the referee has to analyze effectively three different. Phrases of
1: play is is madness. Can we we can, we can talk about all that, but I still don't have a, a slightest clue what Kevin Clancy gave either because he gave a, he gave a free kick to Hibs. Um <laughs> So there, there's, that, there's that element as well. But um, yeah, we're yeah, moving on from that. Is any, anything to add on this game? Um, I think I think hips are in, in deep bother at the moment. I think they're January business. They, they can they can sit down and say, oh, yeah, well, we need to get a window. But as you said, Tom, they signed 15 players or 16 players in, uh, in the summer and it made their squad worse. So maybe another 15 is not what they need. They're
2: obviously I mean, sticking. I, yeah, on you go, Tom.
0: I think just very, very briefly to pick up on that, I think the problem, the biggest problem they've got is that Lee Johnson's absolutely right. They do need bodies. But if you were to ask 100 Hibs fans... What position they needed most, you would get all sorts of different positions. They desperately need like uh, with the exception of a goalkeeper, they need uh they, they need reinforcements at back at the back, even without Ryan Portis going out. That midfield needs major surgery. It, it's desperately one-dimensional. Um, and the the, the without Martin Boyle, the, the attacks in all sorts of bother. there isn't the width that there should have been. I mean, with the exception, probably with the exception of Caden and Marshall, I think, and like Joe Newell, if they're playing okay, has had some decent games. I don't think they're, I, I think the one kind thing you could say is at the moment, um, if Higgs wanted to go out into the transfer market, they could quite easily find upgrades for most of the squad. But I'm not sure Lee Johnson knows how he wants to play. I'm not sure he knows what formation he wants to play. I'm not sure he knows how to use the uh, players he's got at his disposal. So I'm not quite sure how he's going to go out and identify the ones that are clearly needed without going and doing another
1: huge shopping uh, spree and bringing in another six or seven. I just want to, we have to just go and work out who's who's available at Rainbow FC because that's... uh... (laughs) Right, we, we will move on to to the other big Derby match of the weekend uh, in Glasgow. This time, Rangers 2, Celtic 2. A, a very entertaining match, I would say, on on Saturday. Or I keep saying Saturday, it wasn't. It was Monday <laughs> lunchtime. <laughs> I watched it on the train down to our game. And, and yeah, I thought um, probably un- balance the correct result in terms of the both teams had about 45 minutes where for they were the better team, but um, it, it was an interesting way that I, I arrived there, and I think Rangers will be bitterly disappointed that they didn't cling on. They kind of... Basically, the substitutions changed the game in that Rangers got worse because they don't have a very good squad, and Celtic were able to bring on a couple of guys that, that really impacted and changed the game, and fundamentally that's why Celtic are are nine points clear at the top and it's why they will probably win the league. Um, So, yeah, what, what did you make of it, Amy?
2: Yeah I think it's um I think you're spot and I think Rangers have to be bitterly disappointed I certainly would be I think it was a great point for Celtic to get given the performance I don't think Celtic were anywhere near their best Um, it was one of the very few times domestically that I feel um that an Antipo side sort of looked a little bit confused Um, I felt there were spells especially those six seven minutes after the, the, the half time that was just a, a totally lost Celtic side and that's very Rare Europe absolutely see that all the time. Um, but on the domestic front, that that's pretty rare. Um, it's interesting you see that about the substitutions, but I think Greg Taylor going off was massive, that's you know. Yosep Juranovic yeah. was absolutely atrocious. Um, and I was advocating for him to start, um, I was a bit surprised that Alistair Johnson started and said, but you can understand why. Um because he looked like a a, a rabbit in headlights, really. So he, he made Sakala look almost like a Ballon d'Or winner, um, which he is uh, certainly is not. But yeah, for for Celtic to be able to come away with a point, I think speaks volumes of um, just sort of the the character and the mentality that they can play nowhere near their best and still come away from eyebrows with a point. Um, because Rangers' effort yeah, for large spells probably from about thirty fifth minute up until probably up until, until the end of the game really, when Celtic scored. It was um I don't think you could necessarily think that it was coming. Um I think there was a few odd selections that you do have a bad on the bench. I'd had him in from the off, and absolutely being able to call on them is is great. But um yeah, not starting Jota, I wouldn't mind him starting Yakimakis either because I think in these sort of games he thrives. Um bullying defenders um but no, all in all, it's a tremendous point to take. I'd have taken a point beforehand, absolutely, because I think Rangers needed a win because nine points is a huge gap, especially when, you know, okay, maybe yesterday I said pretty relentless. Um, at anywhere else trying to being able to carve it a win, even when they're not at um any sort of scintillating best, as Tom will know. Thanks for <laughs> <I just> that. <thought, laughs> I, I thought.
1: <laughs> I thought there were shades um after halftime especially of the game at Tynecastle for Celtic where Hearts just just ran around and just harried and pressed everything. And Rangers did the same. The 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 running from Rangers was was really impressive. And even Morelos for for the size of him was quite heavily involved in that press. Um because I mean he is badly out of shape, but I thought he had a good game. Um Two major ends. Well, a, a really bad pass for the opening goal and <laughs> a terrible miss aside. Um, <laughs> the, the two things you don't want him to do. Um, but I thought he had a good game and I thought like Sakala running, um, you're right about Juranovic. He, he's played left back before, but you'd have, was, you'd have thought it was the first time he'd ever been asked to play the position. Um, I know, I know um, Taylor's always going to be a hard a hard replacement in that side. It wasn't helped. I think you see the importance of the fullbacks in that Postacogli team because I think Johnston for me, I don't want to judge him too harshly but he didn't look he, he didn't look up to that game I mean, in enough, it's your debut and and you're coming from a much a league where there's a lot of running about certainly, but there's there's probably well, there's not there's not the same pressure on any football match in MLS because it's like, like half the teams get into the playoffs it's like there's almost no consequences to any individual game of football in that league and he, yeah, I, I'm not going to judge him, but he kind of had those vibes of a guy who was kind of my thought when when Celtic signed him was oh he'd have been a good signing for Hearts um, and we'll wait and see whether that's uh, that's how it turns out but um, the yeah you saw how important the fullbacks can be to Celtic because it didn't really offer anything down the flanks it left the wingers kind of not being able to um, impact the game as much because they were kind of having to cover the wide areas and. All of that was yeah, because when the game started, you thought of oh, Celtic are just going to steamroller Rangers here the, the way yeah. obviously they go one 0 up and they've done it so often, and then it wasn't to me until Aaron Moy, not not a player I'm a massive fan of, but when he came on, I thought he really controlled the remainder of the game, and and it wasn't surprising he was heavily involved in the an um, equaliser.
2: I thought, I thought he was really impressive um, when he came on and he was obviously very impressive against Hibs as well but I think you make a good point about Johnston um, and almost that because I'll be honest I, yes he was a shock but so too was Forrest being named in the starting lineup. but I think that that was almost right if you're starting Johnston you've got to have the experience the Forrest almost and he is more defensively minded than any other winger um, basically because he's not as quick getting forward now so he's always going to sort of be um, liaising around but I Forrest has a ridiculously poor record against Rangers. Personally, I think he's got two goals, and they only came in the last. Uh, he certainly scored under Neil Lennon, um, and I think he scored under Brendan Rogers in the five 0 against Graham Murty. I think that was his first goal. Um, the policeman hat on Lustig's head, but other than that, he, he's played you know twenty five games or something against Rangers, and only two goals. He is. And it, Ibrox, is atrocious. It's almost just like you just can't handle it. Um, but so I think I think that was a, a weird one. But it almost had to be like if you're starting Johnson, the the. The caveat is that you have to start Forrest as well, but it just sort of slowed play down a bit. Um, Matt O'Reilly looked really ineffective as well, and I, I felt he was quite. In, he's been quite ineffective probably since we came back from the break, which is a little bit worrying. It's almost um, I was saying this to my dad earlier. I think he's remarkably not scored yet for Celtic this season, and I think that's almost like playing in his mind. He's you know he's still, I don't know, he's something that he's certainly in the top five assists in the league, Um but he, he's not scored himself, and it's almost that that is like ticking away um, and playing on him a little bit. But he didn't look anything um, like what he can produce. And as you say, when Aaron Moy came on and just sort of implemented this control, um, that and, and even that sort of attacking source that you wouldn't really sort of um, associate with him, but. I, I think other than Uranovic, yeah, the, the substitutions did make make a big difference and Celtic squad is still largely, ridiculously better than anyone else is in the division. So um, I think it's more credit to Rangers that they did manage to tail Celtic back for so long, but I think it has to overridingly be disappointment that um, we weren't able to see it out.
0: I think the, the, the biggest difference between the two teams is that Celtic know how to control a game and know what and were, even when they went even when they went behind and there was that kind of 20 minute period where they looked rattled as soon as Raiders went ahead they didn't know what to do next so like, and I think that's although Beal's had a good start in terms of the amount of, in terms of the results that he's had, they've been kind of feeling their way into games and you, you know that they're always going to have this, they've always got talent, they've got this like blitzkrieg ability that they can go and smash teams, uh, but to be able to manage a game over 90 minutes and win comfortably 1-0 just because there's no other, you know, because there's not another chance that, that comes along. And I think that's been the difference between the two teams so far uh, this season because if you can't manage a game, you're always going to drop points late on. You're you're going to be comfortable throughout a game and then suddenly discover that you've lost. Um, Celtic were ahead and f- for most of the first half were pretty comfortable. Rangers came out all guns blazing and we, we know they've got that in them. And I, th- I think it's always possible that you're going to have those kind of games uh, and those kind of momentum shifts in it. But from the point that they from that point when they, they decided right, we're, we're going to have to protect this and threw on subs, it almost surrendered the it surrendered the momentum that they had and the fright that Celtic had got because they really did look like they'd had a fright and like you have mentioned, Sakala it, it's probably the other than the games he has against Motherwell where he always seems to be unbelievably good. Um, it's it, like, it was the best game or the best. 20 minute period I've ever seen him him having a ranger shirt, but at the point that the um, straight after the goal when it's like right we we I think we need to consolidate this now and you know took on Ryan Jack took off Morelos um, took off Tillman later on and certainly Jack was completely at fault for the for the equalizing goal and i mean it wasn't like there was this, this, a sustained period of celtic pressure in the lead up to the goal but you could see their the um their in defence retreating a bit more there was less um there was less space at, and it wasn't quite coming but you could feel the, the there was definitely a mistake left in the game so i think that, that that's kind of the big difference and i think that's why celtic will win the league you know nine points and what 20 goals better off um it's that Celtic will play badly and win a bunch of games this season by a goal. I think there's still plenty of games this season where Rangers will play really well and drop points. Um, And that's the difference between the two teams this season.
1: Anything else on this? Um...
2: No, I don't want to talk about VR.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we'll move on then. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. There not not a lot of gold left to talk about, but we will move on to the only the only other one that had more than one, which was uh, Livingston one Motherwell one. Talking talking of VAR. Oh, uh, and and was this a game you were covering, Amy, at the weekend? Yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or I keep saying the weekend. It wasn't the weekend. It was Monday. Um, again. One of those where, like, fair enough, the decision the is absolutely correct. With um, Well, the decision to give the penalty is correct, I'm not sure, but the decision um, afterwards is correct. But the fact that, again, you're working the game and, and basically everyone, it sounded like everyone in the press room was basically having to have a big uh, conversation to try and work out what on earth had happened, is, is an issue with communication, again. Um, and, and ultimately don't let that take away from how terrible both of Nicky Devlin's penalties were.
2: They were atrocious penalties, absolutely, and I just think that you're spot on. I don't personally think, and the additional penalty, I feel it's incredibly harsh on Nicky Lamy. and if we didn't have that, then we could have avoided all of this drama that unfolded for the next 10 minutes of just shouting, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> um, because it's it's incredible, and you know, I get it. Like as a fan, you're you're so right um, to be annoyed at you know the the radio or whatever it is. But nobody has a clue, and like m- maybe that's not wise to say that. But it's not that you don't have a clue because you don't understand the rules. You just you don't know what there's. There were so many things because at first we thought it was encroachment. Um, that that's initially what we thought. So I'm in the office. I'm listening to Stephen Craigan as well. So you. You're having to take sort of a pinch from him and thinking, right, so he's there. But as, as he said, and you know, I, I've been both sides, I've been in the press box, sending it back to the office, and been in the office, sitting, going, I don't know what's happening here. Um, because it, it's just all, it is, it's that lack of communication. So there was encroachment. Then somebody thought, okay, maybe Liam Kelly is off his line. But then there was obviously the handball incident sort of bundling in as well. Um, but you were like, right, well, if Liam Kelly's off his line, that negates really the handball in sort of scenario. Um, and I think we ended up going with encroachment because that's the last thing that we got told. But then I like looking at it, because the issue is is when you get the VR thing through, like on the screen, you can see both so you can see the encroachment and you can also see Liam Kelly off his line but you're not getting told what is getting looked at you're just seeing that scenario that VAR angle so that's obviously a, the the handball was absolutely not a part of it so it is more just as you see it and you, you we could be looked at it hundreds and hundreds of times um and i think ultimately because there's there's both there is encroachment and Liam Kelly is off his line so both are like reasons for a retake, so that's absolutely fine. But um yeah, again, it's just the confusion around it. In fairness, it was a little bit quicker than the harsh um decision it getting made to, but I think then it's more just the overriding confusion about how the referee and VR sort of came to that decision. And it would be nice, I don't I don't know, you know, it's all going to come down to, to money as well. But you know some people get confused. Uh, obviously, it runs from Clydesdale House, so it's not. It's like you know what I mean. It's not PQ. I don't know if a line could be like fed through or, or something, but it, it would make all parties a lot happier. I think right. if there was just a, a greater line of communication throughout. It was something
1: that came up. So so Joel and I were at, went, went and visited the yeah. facility, and it was something that was asked. And basically, what what the SFL, what the, the referees association basically said was the SFL would need to fund someone to be the
2: Like the 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 voice? Yeah, Yeah, the voice. Because they're they're, they're
1: all, obviously the referees are all sitting there actually making the decisions. So there needs to be a... a...
2: Stick a mic up. Like, fuck the room.
1: (laughs) That'd be interesting. But... Do we have a
2: celebrity? (laughs) <laughs>
1: Susan Coleman as uh, the
2: voice <laughs> oh amazing oh that would be tremendous <laughs> Michelle McManus <Yes. laughs>
1: but it's, it's interesting you say that because I still thought the reason it was given which points to everything I still thought the reason it was given was because it did come off Devlin's arm on the way in and I thought that's like you can't score a goal with your arm so
2: but if Kelly's off his line beforehand then it, I think like, I
1: think it's like in that order it's like the Kelly's off his line, but if Devlin scores a legal goal, it's a goal. But because his goal's also not legal, it's like you go back to the first incident. I don't know. If that's That was my take. But anyway, I think that, that points to what's, what's the um, the whole problem. because it, it was similar to the one um, Rangers v Napoli in the Champions League, where the Napoli player scores the rebound and if he hadn't been encroaching, it's a goal. But because he was the one encroaching. But for me, I could be wrong, but I feel like because it was Devlin, who got the rebound himself, the encroachment wouldn't matter as much. But I don't know. That's the problem. I don't know. And, and I've, read, be- I've read two match reports on this, and both
0: have slightly different versions of events. One has apparent encroachment, and uh, one has. De- uh, Is that for mine? Ham, like, clearly for handball. <laughs> well, like, but, like, I, I, I have no idea. And I think that, and that's the problem. It's not that. It's not the decision. It's not the. The it it's the lack of clarity. Even at, so, the irony of this is we've got video evidence that we can go back to that we can slow down, but we can't actually offer any
1: clarity. So the, uh, we offer less clarity on why the decisions being made than if it was just being made in real time. And and it's yeah. As I say, I, for what I, what I thought is you you look at the goal, Devlin scores, but then when you look at the, the goal that Devlin scores, it has come off his arm. I don't like that rule because it's clearly not deliberate in any way
2: from Devlin. Absolutely um, not. Like, it, it, if we're talking about closeness as well, like, that's obviously, I don't want to touch on it, but the goal someone is obviously protecting his face, so they say, and he's, it's, not out with his, un, uh, his natural body shape. So he's keeping everything mm-hmm. narrow. So is Devlin, you know, Devlin's not flung an arm out to, to throw it into the net it's and it's so close. Exactly. But that's, <laughs> exactly. The,
1: but that's the, the rule now is specifically yeah. for a goal. If it hits your arm and goes in, it's not a goal, can't be can't be given, which I think it's a bad rule, but it is the rule. And so I thought then they went, well, okay, the decision should be a free kick to Mullerwold, but then because Devlin was off, Kelly was off his line before that, it's like, well, we go back to a penalty. But anyway, the reason was well, it's a it's a big incident and or a big moment in the game. But it would have been a bigger moment in the game had um, Livingston not scored. Maybe not that long after it, and and that's a really nice goal from from Morgan Boyce, who's kind of made his way into the team recently. I get, I've not I've not watched a full game that he's played in yet, but the gallery you started sound, doing quite well. Sound, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's these defenders that Livingston seem to constantly pluck out of nowhere. I think Boyce has been at the club maybe since the start of last season. He feels like he's been around for a while, but he's kind of started to break into the team. But um, well, I think Muller will wear good value for the point. Um, Van, Van Veen was in on a one-man kind of um, mission to score a goal um, and, and eventually did so. And we maybe even unlucky not to win the game. He, he obviously, he hit the bar. Um Thought it was a good chance, but you'll you'll be able to tell me a bit bit more than that. But that that was my view on it.
2: No, I I thought Motherwell were were unlucky to not get the win, um, and I think both managers were sort of aware of that post match as well. Um, and I, I really did feel for Stevie Hamill because having Van Veen. Back, like obviously came off the bench against I uh, Ibrox and it wasn't exactly great. Um, but I, I felt that was the first time I've seen him in a few weeks actually look like Kevin Van Veen, who does want to score goals, wants to get into the right positions. Um, I he has something like six shots, um, and it, it just he was linking up well. Uh, it's a great goal as well, it's a really nice finish. Um, he, he's still got a lot to do. I thought Sean Goss was really um good in the middle of the park as well, linking up, but I think over the piece motherwell wear the better side but Like it's a terrible result for them at Tanadice, and that is sort of what makes the magnitude of just this draw even worse because they're in a total relegation scrap now and I don't know um, unless Van Veen really starts to get fired in again I I don't know where else it's really coming from because as much as I was really impressed by uh, Sean Goss I was impressed by um, Matt Penny as well but that's no surprise because I think he's been one of the better players throughout the season Um, but there's not a lot else Creatively, I'm not Blair Spittles' biggest fan, um, but he, he was actually okay. Um, but again, it's okay to create, but you're asking it. It's always, it always is coming back to Kevin Van Veen to be to be the one scoring. Um, so I, I think it was a real opportunity for Motherwell to pick up a well-needed win, um, and it slipped through the fingers. But for for Livy as well, it was a very uncharacteristic performance at home. I think it's been a wee while since they've totally made um, like the Tony Mack a, a proper fortress. Yeah, they're letting they're they're really scrappy in the middle of the park, and I know they were obviously missing um, Holt and Pittman through through through, susp- through suspensions rather. Um, but the, yeah, there was just there was just not like that. No, you know you to, sort of came to get used to that with Libby that there's going to be, they not always the most glamorous side to watch but they know how to get the job done and I just don't think there was any real um, sort of exhibition of that. So yeah, I think it's definitely two points drop for for Motherwell and yeah I, I worry for, for them in their, their relegation battle now for sure.
1: I think it's like Livy, you're used you're used to them climbing the table a bit under the radar, but they're sort of slipping down the table under the yeah. radar at the moment. They're like they're only six points ahead of um of, of Motherwell now as well. Um so yeah, it's it the the at the, the middle, and we're going to talk about it with the remaining matches as well, but the middle of the table is really closing up now. Um
2: Absolutely. And you know, I know that there was that slight sort of bid could Livy be third? Um, but I think that's signed, sealed, and delivered for Hearts now as well.
0: Sorry, Tom. We'll see.
1: (laughs) see. The defenders are
0: dropping like flies.
1: Three three games and one more goal to talk about, um, and we will move on to the one game which which did have a goal in it and it, uh, very nearly didn't. And I've I noticed I've gone all Sky Sports on my notes because I've got St Johnston versus Dundee, but it's of course mm. St Johnston v Dundee United. I'll, I'll save that for the fact that as I was typing up the the actual list of games, Tom came on the call and I started speaking to him. So maybe that's what happens <laughs> on every single uh, on every single uh, Sky Sports tweet. Someone just comes into the office just as they're about to write the word United. Um, <laughs> But, but I, I am aware it was Dundee United and I certainly didn't actually misspeak on air. So I will I will chalk that one up as a victory. And uh, a, a massive victory for Dundee United who I think are probably turning a corner. I feel now probably the only thing that will potentially keep Dundee United down is Leon Fox. If, if he's not a very good manager, we don't know at the moment. But I think that they're just starting to show their wee bits of quality and a really big win away from home from them. And, and they've... They've started digging out those victories. And yeah, um St. Johnstone, on the other hand, have had a very poor festive period and um are, are finding themselves again as everyone has sucked back down into the into the dregs.
0: I mean there was always a there's there's a feeling a couple of weeks ago that and despite the fact I really wanted Dundee United to sink without a trace, they have a lot of good players. Well, maybe not a lot, but they have enough good players. Um who are much better than those around them. And if Liam Fox could find a way of arranging them in such a way as they were even just the sum of their parts, then they would potentially start picking up results. Whereas I kept looking at the league table and going, St. John's are sixth? How? How? I like I I, I can couldn't remember them putting together uh, results, but so there maybe was a or there maybe is a bit of a a reversion to the level of ability that's available at the squad. I, I must admit I didn't watch the highlights even of this. I watched the goal. It looked very much uh, um, a a team that maybe wanted it slightly more, and were, one team was quite happy to settle for a point, and one team that was pushing forward for it. Um, you know uh, uh, Tony Watt has not been a stellar signing for Dundee United He's not really I mean he's never been especially prolific but it, it, I, I think when he signed it was a bit there were a few question marks as, as to where he was going to play and how they were going to get the best out of him um, Dundee United haven't had the best out of him yet but it's a very very big win for them um, a very very important three points and it does kind of suck the team's uh, immediately above uh, above them back into um, a, a player play. Because it did look a couple of weeks ago, from my own selfish perspective, pleasingly like Dundee United were in danger of being uh, cut adrift at the bottom. But they've, they've fought their way back up.
2: It was drab. It was a really, really poor game, um, up until the goal. Uh, other than that, there's very, very little to 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 write home about. But it's it's a huge win, no matter what. It it totally encapsulates one of those. It, no performance was needed, and it was just sheer points. Because it, I I agree with Tom. It was it's sort of been um like, where is this poor form from St Johnson sort of came from because prior to the break they were on an incredible run and out of but out of nowhere you were just like this is all just sort of you know there was obviously nearly a, a point nearly a point against the earth yeah uh, obviously defeated Rangers but they were just sort of ticking away quietly in the background but since the break that they've totally went downhill and not been able to um, sort of find any of or reignite that that form but I, I do think that they'll be fine because of that run I think five six games or something like that they went without a um or they were on an unbeaten run of of some sort, um, but for United, it, I don't know if they're turning a corner. But you know, Tom's spot again. The the players that you look at here, like right, there's two, there's at least two real top quality defenders in there. They've got a strong enough midfield, and the attacking options that they have at their disposal should certainly be scoring enough goals to keep them in this division, um, because the, there is talent there, but it's just. Getting a tune out of them, um, and I'm not sure if Liam Fox has necessarily done that yet. Um, but I think sooner enough, these sort of players should be able to be taken into their own hands, as Tony Watt sort of did, and be able to to grab something out of nowhere. Um, I know they they're sort of going through a bit of a flu influx right now as well. I think that's why Stephen Fletcher was out. So because um, again, in recent weeks, I thought I thought he's actually looked okay, um, and, and looked more at least what you were sort of. Expecting to be getting from from Stephen Fletcher, but if Tony Watkins sort of find where he was at a year to eighteen months ago, because yeah, he's not hit the heights that he should have done at Dundee United. But um, he, he's hoping for their sake that he certainly can.
1: Yeah, well, well, we'll move on from from that one, and we will normally on the Terrace Podcast we have a rule that no no draws come last, but uh, that's impossible um, here because we have two of them. So we will talk about your team first, Tom. We'll talk about Aberdeen now, Ross County now. You were up at Petodre yesterday, you told me. So it looked to me, um, watching watching it back, like Aberdeen were probably unfortunate not to win this game. Is that your perspective? or?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, in terms of... At no point did I think Ross County were going to score. Um, uh, Kennedy has one off the line in the first half. If that goes in, it pr- probably ends up being three... Um, Boszjan has a really good chance late on that's cleared off the line, but the 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 problem was not being able to make a, a not being able to change the course of the game. Like there, there was no point where it was like, right, we're in we're in third gear. We need to up the we need to go through the gears. We need to get up, um, we need to put more pressure on. We need to do something slightly different. Um, Ross County dealt with everything that was put into the box um aerially. The only times that Aberdeen really got beyond them, broke the lines was when they, they ran at them. So any time the Duke got the ball in space, um time Ramadani, who actually had a had, had a good game, Ramadani and Kennedy, whenever they kind of broke broke beyond from the midfield, um, they got a lot of space and there was there was a bit of a mismatch, but there was never really a, a focal point to the attack there was never any point where it was like wave after wave. And I think the most frustrating thing from a, um, like the, you know these these things happen and it was completely dominant performance in terms of possession and chances and um, any any measure that you'd want to have other than other than goals. And um, the most frustrating thing from uh, a fan's point of view is that. So Goodwin starts with a four-two-three-one, which he'd said in the summer was kind of his his favoured system. Now he started the season with four-two-three-one or a four-three-three, but but kind of by default came got this back back three that was actually working meant that we got more of our creative players on the pitch at once that seemed to work that seemed to be going all right until i mean really until even the 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 rangers game it was going fine until the 93rd minute of that um and stuart got sent off against st Mirren, so we uh, were missing him for the um for the the, uh, the Kelly game so there's a feeling that if we if we've, we've, we've kind of got that in our locker, we've got everyone back. Why are we not going back to that? There is a reasonable enough argument that if you want to have against the bottom team in the league, Duke, Kennedy, Ramirez, and Mayovsky all on the pitch together, then we'll try it. There was nothing wrong with the system. The problem is Ramirez is not a number 10. He is, he he didn't have a particularly bad game. He did everything that was asked of him. He put in a shift. He made a couple of tackles um, but he was meant to be playing behind Majovski. And the number of times that McCrory or Coulson um, or or Duke were getting to the byline, putting the ball across the, across the goal, but it was going across like eight, 12, 18 yards out. And you just wanted somebody, like somebody, a more natural number 10 to be sitting there. And we've got on the bench, we've got... Like, so, Duke, Duke can play there. Clarkson could play there naturally. Kennedy can play there naturally. Barron can play there. Uh, Duncan can play there. Besedevan can play there. I, I, I pushed Johnny Hayes could put, play there. So when it wasn't working, kind of seventy minutes in, the frustration's not that we. It, it's not that you, you. We don't change things. It's that we take off. We take off Ramirez. We take off Mayovsky, and ended up with no recognisable number 9 on the pitch. Difficult to know what the formation is, difficult to know what the the system was and it being balls lumped into the box really and the only player that we had really that got on the end of anything was uh was was Ryan Duncan. Um so a lot a lot of sterile possession, a lot of bad decision making. I, I mean I don't think it's as I I, I still think We've got probably the best eleven when everyone's fit outside the old firm. I still think we've got better players than Hearts. Um, I think, like if you were pick of, of those who are fit and available. Um, but at the moment, Jim Goodwin has not managed to get them playing as a unit since the since the return of uh, football after the World Cup. I don't think he's even had a game this season where he's made a a, a game-changing decision you know that there, there's been some very good performances but when things aren't quite working to to change it now I have no doubt that they'll go into the um, January window and sign a couple of players um the one thing that he has had and he has done well is work with the recruitment team to to identify. I mean, nine of the starters were his players. Um, the the recruitment has been really good, um, but I don't know who I don't know who it is. Where I, I, to, it's almost like the same sort of problem as Hibbs have got, but with less of a, a panic about it. But the the obvious. Obviously, um, you could say we, we need a, a right back, but we only really need a right back if Ross McCrory is not the answer. He was fine, um, but he's not a natural right back. He needs to, he needs to have a position. He needs to like be a, a regular in one particular position for the rest of his career. It's not at centre back. It might be in midfield. If it's a right back, he's all right at that. But he's he's a jack of all trades at the moment. And um, if we're going to play with a back three, then we need another centre back because we every time we play Celtic, uh, we can't use Scales. Um, we're one. Suspension. Have on.
2: you can have him. buy him. have. I, on. I
0: would I would be very happy. I mean, he 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 is he's still quite raw and he's still he's still. I think he, he, in a back three, we've got a problem with Stuart wants to just get rid of everything. And sometimes he's the one that needs to play football, whereas Scales is the one that's actually a footballer and doesn't always want to play that much football. Um, but it, it, we, we don't have infinite resources, but we've got players on the bench that could theoretically change games. Uh, and we're reluctant. We, we haven't found a way of getting them all into the, into the same system. If, if we're going to be playing a, a, this kind of f- formation for the rest of the season, if we're going to be going back to what Goodwin said with a three or five, however you want to put it, in, in the middle, then we're going to need another midfielder. We're going to need somebody to be um, to be anchoring things because Ramadani's very good, but he's still pretty young. He still doesn't know when to sit and when to go. And he's been clearly identified as the sitting player. I think, He's a better, better all-round player than that, and I think we could we could probably do with with an improvement um, alongside him, and maybe push Clarkson further up if he's not heading back to Liverpool. So, I, I mean, i I don't think it's I don't think it's fundamentally broken, but it's been shocking since since the return after the World Cup. Um, there were a lot of boos at full time, and from the point that Kennedy missed, it did feel a bit like. Ross County are very happy with the draw. They didn't push anyone on. They didn't, but you know, it was a very good point for them. Um, but I just I don't know what ways we do in January that um gives us the
1: impetus for the for the remainder of the season. Yeah, so that was a, a very good summary, and I don't think we we really have the expertise to add <laughs> anything else there, Tom. So we will move on to, to our subject I hopefully have a little bit more expertise on, which was uh Comarno Nil, St. Mirren Nil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um this this was not, a, not an interesting game at all. Um, obviously, I mean, Kelly will be hugely disappointed not to win the game, given that Ethan Eragon took leave of his senses uh, a matter of minutes into the game. It was so weird because um, probably about a minute before he got sent off, he was kind of making a run at the midfield and Christian Dodge, being a big lumber and lump, was just chasing back and kind of stumbled over the top of him like a complete nothing incident. And Erewhon, like, took real exception to him and got up and squared up to him and all the rest of it. And you kind of thought, that's really weird. And then about, must have been about 60 seconds later, there was a, we had a throw-in and I was watching the play and you just heard this this shout and I turned round and the red card was out. And <laughs> um, yeah, he'd, he'd obviously, I mean, Mackenzie makes a lot of it, but nonetheless, he, he, he does very much put his elbow in, into him. I mean, it, it is to me a red card, regardless of... Um, you know, you don't have to hit someone hard in the face with your elbow. No, I it think it card. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then from that point on, Kelly are obviously expecting to win the game um, and just didn't do quite enough. And and that's the frustration, I think, as excluding, excluding the start of the season when it felt like we were finding our feet a little bit. I think in the last 12 games, it's four wins, four draws and four defeats. And that is not relegation form. That's boring 8th place finish form which yes. is um, I mean, what Kelly are, are looking for but that is a game where if we can win that game you're really starting to pull away a bit starting to set a marker down next three games are, are Celtic Rangers and Celtic um, I mean okay one of them a cup game but you're not necessarily expecting much from that so it would have been really good to pull away and actually that would have put us in touching distance to top 6 as well and to not create that many clear chances. Um, Blair Alston had his shot, which was some really nice play in the first half, and then Doige pulls out a wonderful save from from Carson right at the end, which I, I thought was in personally. Um, but that was that was the sum total of the clear chances Kelly created, and so it was a bit of a frustrating afternoon. At the same time, an enormous credit to St Mirren. I think they are a, they are the absolute worst team. You could be playing against in that situation because their back three are um, just all really, really good at defending. You can you can think back to the Celtic game where they where they beat Celtic earlier in the season. Gallagher, I think it was Gallagher, Fraser, and um, Dunn that day as well, who were the back three, and they just would not let anything pass. And they got deeper and deeper. And sometimes when a team sits deep, it creates um, you know openings in front of them, but then they've got backers screening in front of that and. That's very difficult to play against. And I think the important thing for that is that if if you are sitting deep, you need a centre forward who keeps pressure on the defenders and doesn't because if the if the defenders have got the time and the space, even at our level, if defenders have got time and space to pick things off, they'll eventually create something. But with Curtis Main, you're just not getting that moment's rest. And between all of that, Kelly, were kind of our defenders were constantly being forced. And our defenders aren't very good with the ball to begin with, so they're being forced to make mistakes, and and therefore it was just really sloppy, and we didn't get opportunities. The thing that annoyed me was we we stopped just slinging balls into the box because I think like I think it's it's very reductive if you just keep crosses into the box. Eventually something will fall, when you've got an extra body, um, and and we were trying to play through them a bit too much, and. and yeah, ultimately Kelly didn't deserve to win the game but would have hoped to win the game but the problem is the same problem we've had all all season long which is is the centre forward position Scott Robinson's brilliant to have back and and uh, he's been one of my favourite players in the league for a while and it's, I'm glad he's now with us but Deutsch can't move he, he won a lot of headers as he did against Aberdeen the other night so it's not that he's offering zero but the the return of Kyle Lafferty cannot come soon enough. Um we've signed Kyle Vassell um from like well, he's he's had chucked walk- him
2: through a door <laughs>
1: covered in wrapping literally. paper. But um he <laughs> it, it wasn't obviously I don't know if clearance hadn't come through because I think it, it might have been the type of player that we could have done with yesterday, but um don't know what to expect from him. I've I've seen uh Two, two wonder goals on I searched his name on Twitter as I do anytime we sign a player I've never heard of and found two wonder goals and him getting involved in a in a fight, um which sounds sounds like the sort of player he wants. So, Ideal signing. Um but well yeah we didn't have him, but I think the, the forward situation needs to be sorted out. Honestly, to me, the more I watch some of these players, there's enough about them that I don't think there needs to be drastic changes. I think just one or two bits of quality in the in the um window will be enough. And the one thing I like from this team is that there does appear to be a bit more of a, a spine to them. There there's more they're still not perfect and um but compared to the team that got relegated, there seems to be a bit more of a kind of battle, battling quality to them and, and there is that and in, instinct. Or sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, yeah, there's a there's a nastiness at times and there's a kind of cleverness and all the rest of it. Personally think we probably won't go down, I'm, I'm a bit more confident after watching certainly the last three games, um, especially the Aberdeen game where, that, that's the that's it I guess only if, every time we've got a home game we're kind of expecting to win now and we, we beat Aberdeen Because you're Herbst. so bad on the road So bad on the road, everyone's bad so
2: on bad.
0: Every, every, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the So bad <laughs> um,
1: yeah. But we're, we're only looking at yeah. there's only two points, we've won away from home but um, Hopefully that will start to change. Um and and I do think I do think we'll probably just win just enough games to pull away from it. But it would help if we were winning games like this for for the opportunity was handed on a plate. So are are in absolutely zero danger of getting relegated. And I think this could be their top six year, but you never say never with them because um they'll they find a they find a new and interesting way of not doing it. But yeah, they were um really good. They've got they've got a manager who's been there and done it lots of times. They've got Good experienced players and yeah, I I I was quite impressed with them yesterday. Yeah, Um, and all that does. I think yeah. When uh, taken
2: out of sales, that's pretty much your your uh, your summary Uh, because they were Kelly. I, I had Kelly Aberdeen last week, and Kelly were so good in that first half. Like that's one that's easily the best I've seen them all season. So that I guess that's the frustration for yesterday.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the um, the lack of consistency there, and, and we there, there's not there's not enough quality in the squad, and, and that's that's the biggest problem. I don't think there's a lack of desire. I think there's a massive lack of quality, but we're far from the only team where that is true in Scotland. I think so. Hopefully, um, hopefully that desire will be enough. Um, right. Well, with that said, then we will go. Uh, we will leave you today. Thank you for joining me, uh, Tom. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining me, Amy.
2: Thank you very
1: much. And thanks to all the listeners who've um who are continuing to stick with the Terrace Podcast through yet another year. Um we will now be going over to record a Patreon episode where we're going to talk about our own personal New Year's resolutions for Scottish football or football related or things that um yeah, well, an inspired an inspired Patreon um topic that, that was that took a lot of effort to think up um and we will um that that's what your your good good hard-earned money is paying for so please uh consider signing up if you if you haven't already in um, patreon.com slash terrace podcast i think it is uh, i should i should know that i don't um you'll find it and uh if not we will see you on thursday for another episode of, of the terris podcast so thanks very much and goodbye
0: Podcast Network.